0: Hello, welcome to this week's episode of Church Unscripted. We're so glad that you have decided to join us. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to the channel, hit the notification bell so you can be notified of further videos that we post. Um, and then like it, share it with a friend uh, so we can get the get the word out. Today I'm here with Pastor John and Courtney and we're doing it a little different today because uh, Eric is not with us and he's the one that uh, spoke on Sunday. So this is really, really unscripted. And I think John might, add to his sermon.
1: Yeah, I know. We're going to add some (laughs) points to the sermon today, right? No, just just kidding. Just kidding.
0: Um, Go ahead and give us a recap kind of of what Pastor Eric talked about the scriptures that he was kind of leading us through and uh, just give us an overview of of kind of that.
1: Okay. Okay. Yeah, he uh, he basically did a quick flyover of Nehemiah chapter seven because in Nehemiah chapter seven, there's these lists that were legal records and for the nation of Israel as they were coming back into the land and they were bringing everything together. It talks about, the lists of returned exiles and then all these people and the gifts and the things that they have as a nation and then it ends the end of chapter seven says and in the seventh month had come the people of israel were in their towns and then it says and all the people gathered Mm -hmm. as one man so unified together in the square before the water gate and then they took told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law the Moses that the Lord had commanded to Israel. And that's where there was kind of a pivot, and Pastor Eric shared that on Sunday, is just like that city needed a wall and it was built, your home needs the word. And so that's the point where Israel's home, mm. at that point, the word was being elevated. As he said, yeah. the elevated word lifts up, mm. and then the elevated word digs in. So that's later mm. on in chapter 8 as we get to chapter or verse seven and eight, and then an elevated word pours out. And so essentially the core of the revitalization, the redemption, the change that happened in Israel was mm. the word of God. And so um, Eric, I mean, Eric had uh, quite a few things that I think tie into worship. So yeah. we'll get to talk about that yeah. today as well. But he yeah. talked about something in his take homes that I think is important to summarize is basically, he said, you prioritize what you elevate. And so he kind of mentioned a lot of things that we elevate. So if you elevate, you know, sports, then sports are always gonna be first in your life or right. whatever's gonna be first in your life. Right. What do we elevate? Which yeah. is a great question to ask. I mean, we need to ask ourselves that. Yeah. And then I think there's two, two aspects of that. Don't be afraid of the places his word will take you. So Nehemiah, went through a very scary experience. I mean, we talked about earlier in Nehemiah where he's got a sword in one hand and they're got a trowel in the other bordering the wall. I mean, that's a pretty scary place to be. I mean, your eyes, you have to have your eyes on the wall and on the people that you... Trying to protect, um, as well as he ended with, get your invitation to the party because there mm-hmm. is a party. Because when you're saved and when you have the Word of God with you, yeah. it's very important. So um, mm. that kind of summarizes the whole sermon. Mm. Um, I know there's many aspects we can discuss. So let's, let, I mean, yeah, let's kick there, it off.
0: there's there's so many things. Um, I guess one of the one of the themes in in chapter eight that has always just amazed me and drawn me in and challenged me is, um, in, let's see here, in verse five, Ezra opens the book of the law. And as he opened it, the people just stand. And then it says, uh, uh, it says that he, um, he blessed the Lord and all the people said, amen, amen, lifting up their hands. And then they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. So mm-hmm. I, I always, why, why do you think church doesn't look like that today? Because, because that's what always, it always amazes me. Like he opens the word of God, people stand and immediately they're just in awe, they're on their faces. Do you think that we maybe because we actually have the scriptures,
1: we have grown numb to them, so we don't have that effect? Ooh, that's a good question. I, I think, I have a worship question related to that verse too, as well. But Courtney, what do you think? Because we've talked mm-hmm. a lot about reading the Word of God yeah. and how important that is, and how important that is to do as frequently as possible.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think I was a little bit when Eric preached on the fact that they maybe hadn't heard it in thousands of years, yeah, like we, it hasn't been a thousand years since we've heard it. Right. So maybe that is part of the reason, but I think I yeah. agree with you. I think probably we do grow a little bit numb to it mm. or, um, for a lack of another word, we, we aren't um, focusing more intently or intentionally mm. on it. In order to, so it's kind of like in the background, right? Like that white mm. noise. And so maybe we don't hold it as reverently as we should. You
0: don't hold it high enough?
2: Yes, it should mm. be elevated more, right? Mm. Oh, <laughs> oh, okay.
0: And that's the it. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah.
2: yeah no, I agree. Uh, a little bit numb or used to it yeah. maybe is a better word. Um, But that doesn't necessarily, I mean, we, when we listen to the word, we're all seated, right? We we're standing and then we sit. Right. And so it's a great question.
0: Yeah. I mean, John, how do you think we combat that? Because I've always struggled with that, right? Like I read a passage like that and I'm like, man, when's the last time scripture was read? And I was like, Hmm. yes. And I can tell you we hosted a worship camp last week here at Brookside and those kids on Friday, we, we just spent time together as a group just in worship acoustically and somebody read scripture and that was the response. And I'm like, yeah. man, hmm. like, do we just not give it time? Cause they had spent all week in the word essentially. Yeah. But I, I don't know. How do we combat that?
1: Well, I, I think in some ways, like I, I'm thinking of it from a perspective of being in ministry or pastoral ministry Mm -hmm. for a number of years and going to seminary and all those things. Mm -hmm. Um, I think we, it becomes, and this is a terrible term, but becomes stale. And so Mm -hmm. like, as a believer, if you look in my office, I probably got 12 translations of the Bible on my computer. I got another 50. And so you like basically out of, out of a um, wealth of resources of opportunity Mm -hmm. to read the word, it becomes something that, we don't desire as much, Mm. Mm. you know, like there's almost this, this feeling. And as the saying goes, there's an absence makes the heart grow fonder. Yeah. There's, there's a moment where basically we haven't figured out that our heart, anytime we're not in the word, we're absent from the word. Mm. And I think that's how you combat it a Mm. little bit psychologically going, okay, I'm absent from the word right now. I haven't got time in the word. Mm. I need to get in the word. Whereas the people in Ezra, like if it's a thousand years, that's a big absence. Like that's like a I've never heard this in my entire lifetime. Mm-hmm. This is so amazing, and it's almost like the it's like the good news of what God's yeah. Word was and yeah. is, yeah, like was fresh and new to them, mm-hmm. so I guess one of the things that I think people should be praying towards is God, please keep your word fresh to mm-hmm. me hmm. keep your word fresh keep keep your word as something that I desire and I long for yeah. the other part of it is. Uh, obedience requires difficulty and there's these moments where um, John Coe used to call it the dark night of the soul mm-hmm. he's a he's a uh, I believe he was a priest and there's moments where you just things are kind of stale. And I feel like in our American culture, we're overstimulated with things Mm -hmm. and there's all these messages. Mm -hmm. So we become in this dark night of the soul. And then we say, oh, it's the church's problem. And the reality is the problem is within us Mm -hmm. and the Holy Spirit working through us in his word. Mm -hmm. So we need to get back to the word. And so I read that and I thought to myself, I had a question for you. So I don't, I I don't want to pivot too much, You're good, you're good. But david when you read that verse when it says they bow down worship the lord on their faces to the ground do you read that as an encouragement for more expressive worship both as a church or privately as well what does that look like because because i read that i will tell you what i do Mm -hmm. i'm not gonna answer the question because it's i don't know if there's a specific answer but when i read that i go why are we not more expressive in worship why do we come in and sit here with our hands in our laps i mean i i watch it or we hands at our sides completely. Yeah. On Sunday, my wife hit me in the face when she's raising her hand. So I mean, like she's like into it, and I'm looking around and I'm like, well, I got to watch out for her. We have to have an extra seat between us. Right. It's not because we're on the rocks. Yeah. I, because, I like, into
2: Royce all the time. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's like yeah. she
1: was like this, and I'm like, yeah. oh, you hit me yeah. in the face, you know? Yeah. Right? She's in right. Me. And so, you know, I'm not saying there's one right way to worship, but when I read this. Yeah. I think this is descriptive, not prescriptive. Like, not everyone has to worship that way. Yeah. But I, I think they're addressing the heart. That's why I ask you the
0: question. Yeah, I, I've always struggled with that because I've gone through seasons where I'm like, everyone needs to kneel and raise their hands and shout and dance and all these things. You don't want to see me dance. It's okay. but but <laughs> But, like, did they want to see David dance? You know what I mean?
1: Like... Yeah, yeah, it's that's just true. like do
0: we it's make true. do we make American excuses for our worship? You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, oh well, I'm not comfortable. So like, oh no, like shouting's not my thing, and I don't want you know, I don't want to be a distraction to people. Well, it's if it's not. I about appreciate you, then...
1: a good Baptist Amen. Oh, okay, yes. <laughs> like we had the a We like, had a guy. Amen!
0: No, we had a guy. When growing up, he was he always sat in the back, and he'd go, "Amen." Oh, that's good. (laughs) Yeah, and I'm like, I miss it, you know? I kind of miss it, yeah. (laughs) But I think here, I think the challenge is both privately and publicly. I think a lot of times, for me, I've been challenged with, okay, what does my private worship look like versus what does my Sunday worship look like? Mm -hmm. If my Sunday worship looks better than my private worship, then we have a problem because now I'm raising my hands simply because other people expect me to. But if my private worship is on my face before the Lord, then my public worship, if I raise my hands, that's in nature, that's in character, right?
1: What, at what point, see, you left me with so many thoughts when you said that. So at what point do we feel defeated or do we like go, I just don't have, I hate saying this, but I don't have time to worship like I do mm-hmm. on Sundays because mm-hmm. I, because what I think is there's some people out there that probably come to Sunday mornings and that's the one time that they're worshiping. Right. Yeah. And so like, yeah. how do we, how do we what? counteract that? Cause, cause again, hearts, hearts. Yeah. The issue. Yeah. Like we're not just sitting here like in our right. house. I,
0: I think we also have to take apart that word worship because the, the song on Sunday is not the worship right it's the heart yeah like we can worship just as much listening to the word of god while eric is preaching as we can when we're singing mm-hmm. the, the the singing part just uh, just helps us to express the worship that we feel in our hearts and so for me it's always a, it's always like i want to i want to check my heart first and then also there are moments like again i'll come back to this camp like there were moments last week that I simply had no words to sing, and all I could do was raise my hands or follow my face in worship. And I think if we if we can spend that time in the Word, then that can be our response.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Um, I don't think again. I don't think it's prescriptive. Although I will say, in Revelation, it says that every creature will be on their face before the throne. <laughs> I
1: think Eric mentioned that on Sunday. <laughs> so it's
0: it's it's kind of just like I mean, do, do we really? do we really idle, do we elevate ourselves so much above scripture that we are too proud to express? That's fair. That's, I guess that's the question I would ask. So,
1: and I, and I, I I have this fine line, if that makes Mm -hmm. sense, because expression can become distracting in worship. And just emotional response. Just emotional response. I remember an experience I had at a, uh, Baptist Church in Philadelphia. It was amazing. 5000 people in there and I was the only one with my mm. skin color. So it was very we stuck out. And they said, "Are you guests?" and we all raised our hands and looked around and realized we were the only people that were guests in 5000 person church. <laughs> so, awkward experience, but I just remember being in there and there were some people that decided, "Oh, I'm just going to like get slain in the spirit." If you mm-hmm. ever come from that background. Yeah. And so they're like rolling around and there's these these ushers with white gloves yeah. coming out and everything and I'm thinking What's going on right now i can't even tell like are they preaching what's i mean Mm -hmm. what's this person doing they're gonna hit their head like i was genuinely concerned for their safety right and again i'm not saying that that's not a uh opportunity for the spirit's work i'm not saying that the spirit wasn't working but in some ways Mm. um at what point Mm. and again courtney you probably have thoughts on this as well but at what point does our expression verge past the worship from our heart to just, I want to express in front of people. I think well, that's what you that, kind of were. That is the to.
0: heart, right? Yeah. Like if we get to the place where we're like, "Oh, I'm going to raise my hands because I want people to think that I, I worship God." Yeah. That's that's that tells you right there that your heart's not.
1: So, so something I did differently as a lead pastor. Most pastors like they sit up front, right? That's kind of a thing. I always sat in the back because I just wanted to worship and I did not want like people looking at me. Yeah. I actually wanted people not to look at me to know how to raise their hands or whatever they're doing. So if I'm into the worship, I want to be able to fully express myself and not even be thinking, Oh, seven people are looking at me and they're going to do what their pastor does. And so I think in some ways, like there's, there's certain positions, like a pastor position, Mm -hmm. but then there's other, other things. When you're a leader in the church, like people are like looking to you. Well, yeah, that's what I was going
0: to say is like, even like modeling for our kids, what worship is like, um, I, I don't know if you've experienced that, but like, there's a, there's a, there's a point when like Sunday, somebody sent me a picture of my daughter in the back, hands raised, just shouting it. And I'm like, yes. And, but then it's a conversation of like, why do we raise our hands? What, what's caught, like, what Mm -hmm. causes us to do that? Like we, we're, we're weird in the sense like we do, we, we have worship jam nights in our house. But a few... Uh, Wait,
1: are you a worship pastor? I'm, I'm confused how that. that like a few, I like, like, no, I know, but
0: it's just like not normal family thing to do, right? Yeah. But we do because we're, we do music. But I, I was playing a song and they, the kids were just jumping up and down and shouting and, and yelling. And I'm like, what is this? Like, what is this? And I'm like, so we just said, hey, what, what is that? When, you are, when you're jumping up and down, when you're shouting, when you're praising, what's happening? And they're like, well, I just feel so happy when I sing about Jesus. You know, yeah. it's so simple. And it's like, yeah, that's, that's it. If it's anything else, then that's, yeah. that's just for show. But if, if it's truly the Holy Spirit just wrecking your heart, and the only expression you know how to do is to scream and jump up and down or kneel or whatever that
1: is, that's pure worship. Well, and that's, I mean, a childlike faith. So, Courtney.
2: Oh, I'm just We've been talking it all a in.
1: lot, so like I know that's what I want to hear up, from Courtney. <laughs> like, like what, Courtney? Maybe you can yeah, tell. Remind me of the Tell question. us some of well, some of <laughs> there were a lot in there. Like, it, do you think I, I asked him if the there was an encouragement for more expressive worship or like yeah. corporately in as a church? But I think you've had different backgrounds. You've been in different yeah. settings, mm-hmm. and so maybe you can kind of explain what you've observed, like your faith journey and like where you're at now.
2: Wow. Okay. I just have a big question. Wow, that's a big one. That got
1: really personal. Oof. Well, I'm just saying. Okay. I, I think you, I think you have. Like, you I absolutely have
2: been part of various different mm-hmm. worship mm-hmm. scenarios, yeah. from uh, charismatic to more traditional, and I in both settings, I needed a heart reorientation because I understood it in the moment, um, and when I went from one to the other, and I kind of learned like it wasn't that it was wrong to be so movie or whatever you would call it. <laughs>
0: Expressive. Um, Expressive. Yeah. It was
2: more of a, a kind of church that really did bring in people who didn't know what was going on. Like the way you said you kind of felt in the moment. And is that distracting of the people coming in who don't know Jesus yet and looking around and seeing so much movement <laughs> don't know how else to say that. So it it was, I guess you could say it was kind of a seeker-friendly church in that ultimately I watched go more and more expressive in their worship. And so I went from one extreme to the other, but my heart had to get like, it wasn't about that. It was about where am I at with Jesus? And Mm -hmm. does it matter what anyone else is doing or what anyone else that I'm doing. Mm-hmm. So um, again, back to the original topic of it being a posture of your heart, mm-hmm. not necessarily a posture of your body.
1: Mm-hmm. So, so I, I I met a guy once that was very stoic, mm-hmm. and he always stood in worship, hands at his side. And uh, I said to him once, I said, you know, like when you're worshiping, because I could see him on stage, like, and I was I was like, you always you know seemed very um he's he was always singing but he just was like not animated like not mm-hmm. one bit and he goes do you how well do you know me and I was like well I think I know you and he's like I literally um like I'm expressing so much joy in my heart but you just can't see it because mm. I I have no
0: mm.
1: I have no movement it left mm. in my body like I'm almost like he's like I almost freeze like paralyzed because I'm paralyzed in the presence of God is the way he said it mm. and I was like that's a weird way to look at it. Like, cause I was like, I was like, almost like it was an experience for me to realize, like, there's not one specific way, but there's the posture. Mm. And his posture was I'm in the presence of God. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And he almost had that Isaiah moment. Like, Oh no, there's the cherubim. And there's, I'm like, (laughs) I, 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 oh man. Yeah.
0: I, I wrestle with, I wrestle with that cause I'm just like in heaven that's not an option right? Well, yeah. Let's talk and about so it. like yeah. we talk about heaven on earth, like that's our, that's our job is to bring heaven to earth. And one of the ways we do that is by bringing the throne room of heaven to this yeah. space. Yeah. And I think sometimes, like, I love that and I'm not discounting that yeah. that's his encounter, but I think a lot of us generally would just say, uh, I'm just gonna stand here because I feel uncomfortable.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Oh yeah. yeah. And I and I feel like there's a difference there where, um, we we have to be careful that we don't reach a place where we're like, well, this is who I am, and I can't do that, mm-hmm. because, yeah. I mean, God God took takes well, anybody from anywhere and makes them totally different than who the, they are. The, mm-hmm. the,
1: stories that drive people to the gospel are the stories where someone does uncharacteristically something different mm-hmm. because the holy spirit guided him mm-hmm. to. i mean i i know a guy who is a construction worker that now feeds children in haiti i mean yeah. like you're just like well how is a right. construction worker sharing the gospel with kids in another country right speaking another language and yet he just got called right and it's just like it happened so i think i think there's a lot to that i yeah. let me let's pivot a little bit i'm going to go backwards in the sermon so i'm going to the beginning so he started two people who take time to process here (laughs) i know i know so so eric (laughs) talked about like a city that needs a wall your home needs a word so i i want to talk about what we just talked about with worship Mm -hmm. but how can we build the the word around our home our families and our lives You know, practically speaking, not everyone's going to have a worship jam in their house. No. But I can turn on worship music and I can dance with my kids and I can encourage them to sing the songs. Mm-hmm. And I don't have to play an instrument or sing on key, right? Yeah. And so, like, I feel like that example that you gave yeah. is something we can all do in a different really? way. Yeah. So what are some things that you guys have done or things that you've thought of that, like, how do we build the word around our house? And, like, what does that look like?
2: You or me? You or
1: me? <laughs> I don't care. I can go if you, if you, uh, but if you got something, you go ahead. And okay, I'll
0: okay. Jump in. Um, <laughs> man, I, I kind of struggle with that because as a parent, I want my kids to love scripture, and so. I I hear of so many people that are like, at my age, who are now adults or something. I don't know, grown up. And they're like,
1: 30 yeah, still out par- Okay, my parents,
0: so. my parents just forced me to read scripture, and I just don't want anything to do with it. Yeah. And so it's trying to find that like, mm-hmm. what what does that look like, you know? And so I think for us um, in our home, I can, I think well I'll, I'd say I'd encourage people to think about what their home looks like yeah, and how sure. they want it's to build generally. scripture around their home and how that works for their family. I don't think there's one solution. No. Like for our family, those worship times are huge. And when we're when we're in those moments, like half the time it's my wife and I weeping and our kids just shouting and praising. And and then it's the conversation of like, well, what what's going on here, kind of what I talked about earlier. Um my wife is really good at um like taking scripture and applying it to specific moments. So Mm -hmm. like we had, we had one of our daughters, she went through this phase where she was afraid of everything. And, um, see now I'm blanking on what scripture it was, but, but basically the scripture was, there's no reason to fear because Jesus is with us. I can't remember what passage that was. That's very embarrassing. But anyways, um, but so we would, we would be, encountering a new experience, like even just changing a classroom here at church, that was like major fear. And we'd be like, hey, you don't have to worry. And why don't you have to worry? And then it says, cause scripture says, I don't have to worry because God is always by my side. And that just became part of her. And now like that's her encouragement to everyone else. Mm-hmm. We don't even bring it up to her anymore. But if we're encountering a new experience, she's like, hey guys, it's okay we don't have to worry about anything because God is with us and so I think there's like we we picture the word around our home as like a all right everybody sit down at the dining room table we're gonna dive in deep here and we're gonna you know I think it's just practical things like here's a here's here's the truth of scripture that speaks to something that you're encountering and how do you live that out so
1: so I'm gonna give you I'm gonna throw a little bit of a uh, st- Stick in your spokes, you know. I ever stick a stick yeah. in bike spokes, yeah. and then you just go fly off. It's painful. So, what what would either one of you say? Because Courtney, I know you have an answer for that question, but what? Yeah, you what just would jumped you, in. She didn't I know, but this will probably add to her answer. What would either one of you say to the parent that goes, "I don't even know where to start"? Mm. Because it's one thing to mm. like grow up in the church. Yeah. It's one thing to be in the Word all the time. I mean, I mm. I my household was so conservative when I was a kid we didn't have a TV till I was nine yeah and so we did like family devotions we were doing all kinds of stuff and then my life transformed and my family was like totally opposite that for a few years when I was a teenager but it was like in that time period like we were so focused on it so like at a very young age I have a journal My parents made me read and i was reading through leviticus okay (laughs) and i started writing at nine years old this book sucks (laughs) right and i wrote it every day because my mom said i had to journal every day some something about this book and i was not even supposed to say the word suck okay so (laughs) like so i was like this work this is sucks and i'm like so i'm i'm writing that and i have those journals where i read through the bible at like nine or ten right But here's the difference in the transformation when you're talking about people Mm -hmm. our age. Yeah, That's the reason I thought of it is like, there was a point where I hit rock bottom Mm -hmm. later in life, in my late teens, where I was just like, I've got to devour this. Mm -hmm. If I don't eat this, like when Eric was talking Sunday about like craving the word, wanting the word. And it's like, it's like, I couldn't get enough of it. And that is my wish for every other believer and people that aren't believers crave the word of God. Yeah. And so how you crave the word of God is it's not in that moment that God allows you to apply it. It's in that moment where you're disciplining your kid or you're saying something this way. Like I remember recently we told one of our kids, like you don't have the Holy Spirit in you right now. And like, we were very confident because of the way they were acting. We're like, you don't. Like there's something wrong right now and you're not right with God. And it was one of our younger ones. So again, like maybe they didn't fully understand what we're saying, but like there was this moment of like, okay, so we want, to walk you through what it's going to take to get right with yeah. God, and yeah. what does that look like? You don't stop yeah. at the the um, uh, reality of the situation; you yeah. keep going with the hope that you have within you, mm-hmm. which is comes from God's word. Yeah. It's always scripture. So, man. so can we answer your question now? Or? No, yeah, no. I know. I just <laughs> I
0: just went on for a while. was well, so. the
2: question again? Uh, <laughs>
0: what do we tell people? What do we tell parents? Well, can she answer the first question? Yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll go back oh, to yeah. the whole okay. how, do you, how do you how do you practically uh, like Build scripture as a yeah. wall around Okay,
2: Um I agree with you in that it's a careful balance of not cramming it down their throats. I think it's not necessarily you must read this or I must read this to you, mm-hmm. but rather I'm in it and I'm mm-hmm. reading it and they're watching me. And mm-hmm. so my actions are, they're going to remember those more than they're going to remember the words that I've said. So for me, it's been a a fight to just daily set that example. Mm. Like this is about me. And if I jump to the next question, I love how you just said the word devour because that was mm. gonna be my answer too. <laughs> like if we're talking about worship is a posture of your heart, mm. it you have to go after it. And then that hunger is there. Like it's that weird, it's insatiable. It's like that weird, I the more I read it, the more I want it. Mm. And so, mm you have to just start somewhere with reading it. And I do have reading plans that I fold up into bookmarks just to make sure that I get through it. And I've gone through the Bible a couple of times and each time I go through it, it has something different for me than say the first time around. Like how, how many times have you read a story mm. or something and you're like, wow, I feel like I never read that before. Like, how did I miss that a year and a half ago when I went through this <laughs> before? Right. And so every everything you read in this Bible is going to be what, it's like manna for the day, right? Mm. That's what you needed. And you just have to start with yourself. Mm. So yeah. I can't remember what your question was now, well, devour no,
1: it. No, <laughs> no, but the, I think I think the difficulty too with children is you want their motivation to be pure, right. to use yeah. your term right. about worship earlier, but it's very hard to get that pure motivation because you can't force that. You can't tell your right. kids, well, I'm going to discipline you if you don't read your Bible today, because no. guess what's going to happen? They're never going to want to read it. And so yeah. when you're pushing them towards it, sometimes you're pushing them well, away it's,
0: from It's you. always hard to, like as a parent, especially in the discipline, it's like, well, why don't you do that? Because Jesus said so, and then like their view of like the word actually is diminished, yeah. Because they're they're associating punishment with scripture. But one of the things that, like you said, where do where do where should parents start? I think, um, well, there's really two things. The, the first one I was going to say, go to the fruit of the spirit and just allow that to be over your home, like. Mm -hmm. love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness and self-control did i get all of them i think so i always miss one um but but there is an element of like that's what we're 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 trying to do as a family is like today is love day we're gonna focus so hard on how can we love people and we're not perfect at it like we have so many bad days and we miss days and things like that. I don't want people to think that we've got it all together because we don't. Um, but, like, today's love day. So then it's, hey, how did you love your sister today? And and th- we, we had done that a few times. We've kind of been going uh, love and patience. Like, those are kind of our two right now. <laughs> yeah. And the other day, one of them was just like, I can't think of anything. And I was like, so you weren't very loving today? And they're like. No, but
1: they, they, they understood why. Well, I would, say, I would say that might be more beneficial than when they are loving.
0: Right. Like in the well, sense yeah, that you'll remember that
1: moment and go, but it, oh, it's, I wasn't loving this it's day. It's so also now a it challenge is.
0: to me because when I ask them, how are you full of love today? They're going to ask me the same question. Yeah, yeah. And I have to be able to say, you know what? I didn't love very well today.
1: Or, hey, there was this one moment but that's it. Let's let's go even a little yeah. bit a little bit. This is not necessarily deeper but a little bit further out like what can we say to families that maybe don't even have that time to have that conversation. Like I I think mm. of it like this, like there's two things that have happened in mm. my life recently. My kids have gotten old enough that when we're, they're playing multiple sports. And I spent two months of pure chaos. David can attest <laughs> I, to this. Like his family was trying I to come over to our your house, house. So many times and we were gone. And I was gone. Like I'm just constantly moving. Like I would go home from here um, at the church and then I'd get home, I'd scarf something down and we'd be on the road in 15, 20 minutes. Yeah, and cool. so like, how do, how do we, and then that time, there's no time for that. Maybe. So you have car time, maybe that's four or five minutes. Yeah. Um, You have when you get home and all the kids are angry and like and again some of us some people watching right now don't even have Kids that age, right? Right. And so we're we're talking about very specific but But I think in terms of your family is who you live with the space you reside in Mm -hmm. Doesn't matter if you're single if you're married if you have kids if you don't have kids if Mm. you can't have kids if you adopt it whoever your family is who you reside with so like I I at one point like had six guys I lived with in an apart, like a big house, you know, like that was my family at that point. Yeah. That's what I mean. So like your family, how do we deal with family time? I guess is the way I would say it.
2: You're looking at me. Okay. (laughs) I mean, I have been through many, many seasons like that that are just so busy and crazy, but I always think of input in, input out, input in, output out, right? Like take that opportunity. If you're in the car, put Christian radio on whether it's a song or testimony like they they pick up those things these are just little mm-hmm. little tiny tricks um bedtime uh, what where's our priority like are we are we prioritizing some time with the child one-on-one where we're really trying to get to their heart like you had some great mm-hmm. questions that build self-awareness for your kids like If we're really, really busy, can't we fit it in somewhere, I guess is my question. And not to create, like, more of a to-do list, but more of a to-be list. Like, am I with my children? Are we having these? Preach it. Are we having heart I'm writing that down. I'm writing that down. (laughs) So I guess just uh, it's hard to say, like, what you should be doing when really the main thing is, is check your own heart. Check your own time. Are you fitting it in? your time with God, Um, the Bible.
1: So you're saying it's not selfish for us to focus on our own spiritual health before we focus on our kids.
2: 100% you have to because it's just like putting the oxygen mask on someone else on a flight. You can't do that if you aren't breathing.
1: But we think... We think differently that, I mean, I grew up in the church and it's like, oh, I'm supposed to be sacrificial. So as a pastor, I'm supposed to pour out, pour out, pour out. I'm not supposed to be focused on me at all. I'm supposed to be helping people and doing this. But I think the reality is if we're not focused on ourselves, that's why you see pastors and Mm -hmm. church leaders burn out and you see parents burn out and like, are just like, I'm done. Um, I recently, one of the things you said, I think there's small moments Mm -hmm. that are very important. I read a study just yesterday Mm -hmm. and it was pointing out that there's nine minutes in the day that are most important. This is like what child psychologists are finding out Mm -hmm. nine minutes, the first three minutes after you wake up, the three minutes before bedtime, Mm -hmm. and then three minutes at a meal. Like if Mm -hmm. you take Mm -hmm. that. So if a parents are spending those nine minutes with their children and being intentional, like you can do really amazing things. And I, I know, uh, uh david and i recently even read a book called the habits of the household and we're going to talk a little bit more yeah. about that i'm having our children's ministry staff yeah. read it and we're going to talk about it more in kids men but but in essence you know what are you doing in those nine minutes
2: mm-hmm.
1: like you could probably do that question that you described in yeah. three minutes at the dinner table oh, yeah. again depending on attention spans but, well and how many kids you have and things you know yeah <laughs> but you could even do that question around the table um when you have your grown children over once a month yeah you could do that question around the table when you invite your neighbor over. And yeah, there's all kinds of ways you can do things, but, but in reality, we've lost the art of doing that mm-hmm. and being rather than doing yeah. mm-hmm. who that is because it'll yeah. just flow out of us. We won't, even, yeah. we won't even realize we're doing it. We'll just yeah. start asking questions. Mm-hmm. My wife hates the grocery store now because I ask questions. And if I see something like odd and it's someone I completely don't know, I'll still ask them. Or if I see someone I know, I stop and talk to them. And then there's been times where I'm like, I sense that you need prayer. And the next thing I know, I'm in mire for an hour. <laughs> and I'm like, they're they're pouring out their soul or whatever, you know? And I think that's what we're missing is the being goes back to the word, to the spirit,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and being guided by that rather than the clock on the wall. Yeah. Mm. yeah. I don't know. I'm just, I'm sorry. I... I no, I don't know where I was going good. with that. I don't, like, I don't know. I, <laughs> I think that's
0: good, man.
1: So so Eric, Eric ended with like three take-at-homes. And I think we could discuss some of that yeah, as see. well. And I, I think that's important. Um, and the first one, he said, you prioritize what you elevate. So I have a simple question I thought of. Okay, what do you think our culture elevates? Summarize it to three things. Self. Self? Is that it? I got one. I figured we have... Oh.
2: <laughs> self was my answer too But like in the In the How you're viewed In the way. image Yeah, yeah image. In the image Self image Yeah Yeah that's Definitely uh, so,
1: you, so you mean Instagram pictures Are not real
2: No Mm-mm. Oh No newsflash I first. thought it was
1: I thought everyone's <laughs> okay. vaca- I thought everyone's Vacation was to Hawaii, <laughs> <laughs> Hawaii Under a, <laughs> a, a, every, a Waterfall and It's amazing It's real on Instagram <laughs> yeah.
2: I think it, Self image Your status Your you know, how how your, I guess, status, really. I mean, y- your vacation, your home, your kitchen, your children looking nice, it's all trying to tell a story
1: about you. So so those those are things that are elevated. So like, for example, I'm just gonna use myself because I, I, I don't wanna use anyone else, but like people look at the role of a pastor a certain way mm. and they elevate the status. Mm-hmm. When in reality, when I look at Jesus and I look at the gospels, if anything, the way Jesus serves and the way I should model like how I pastor is down here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the interesting thing about Jesus still, and I think we could all attest to this when you read through the gospels, he goes away to spend time with the father.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So he's in prayer. Yeah, he's He is the word, so he doesn't need to go to the word. So let's just be honest, <laughs> like he is the word of God. <laughs> He's communicating <laughs> with his father, but he's taking time away from things right. that the, the the people deemed status-wise status was important yeah. or for his image was important. Like, hey, can you go see this person? No, I'm going to spend time with my father. Like he did that repeatedly. Jeez. Or the opposite happened. And it'd be like, no, these children can't come to you. No, let the children come to me. It's like, wait a second. Where did we miss the boat mm. into being something that we've convoluted what the culture elevates instead of what God elevates? So-,
0: so <laughs> may ask you how do we do that in our culture when when the culture is saying hey these are the important things and we're like we're feeling this this tension because my kids need to be in sports or arts or whatever it is but they also need to be in church and they need to be in the word and I need to be in the word but I also need to be a parent who's present at my you know what I'm saying how do we how do we be like Jesus in a culture that is so Busy?
1: Do you, do you do you want me to give you the simple answer? It's a cop out answer. I want you me you want. Okay. Do it. N- do less. Yeah. Like seriously, do less. Yeah. Like there is nothing that your kids need that is going to come from sports. Like your kids, it'll be good for them. Right. But when it comes to like the word of God and eternity, you're not going to find that in sports. I mean, I've had great, great sports coaches that were christians and like that was great and sports programs that have that Mm -hmm. like and i i don't want to like demonize sports just sports right right right. you talk about busyness yeah and so what i mean is like you need to be able to evaluate as parents and as adults what what god would want your time to be used for Mm -hmm. like what you what you want to be many of us are walking through without intention in our life and we need to walk through with intention mm-hmm. if you walk through without intention everything that's put in front of your face you're going to say am i i'm going to do that or if you really don't like it yeah. you say no yeah but there's like peer pressure like right, right like there's like oh i really should go to that thing at church or i should do that we use it that way that's a positive peer pressure right yeah but on the other hand like there's a lot of negative things right. um like w- my kid has to do this i remember as a kid i played competitive sports and i remember for 3 years i think i missed 35 sundays a year i'm a pastor now and i would never let my child do that mm-hmm. it's changed like my my world's changed yeah because i realized i got to the point where i was like i'm not going to be a professional like i could play in college but i'm not going to be a professional right. like i'm this is not leading right to To me sustaining my life yeah. through income or something, yeah. and it doesn't matter. And I enjoy it, I still enjoy it, but that doesn't mean it needs to be elevated above yeah. church and the word of God. Yeah, yeah. What, what do you got? Courtney? Yeah, Courtney's, Courtney's Wade. I, got,
2: you know, I just really feel like a broken record because it <laughs> is just about the word. It's just about, it. this is what the scripture, okay, like we talked, what Eric talked about with with Nehemiah, the scripture is what is changing us. Mm. Scripture is what washes us clean. And yet we need to be in it to see what needs to be cleaned. It's also the mirror that we look into. Mm. And so Mm -hmm. once we are in it, then we start to have these things in our heart that it's like, you know, that just doesn't quite feel right. Like Mm. it's it's the Holy Spirit revealing to Mm. us what we need to work on and what we need to change.
1: Well, there's a twofold that. purpose you just mentioned. It heart. exposes, yes. but then it also cleanses. It also
2: cleanses. It's so. also the preventative measure. So you're, you're talking about mm. finding out what the blemishes are. Then you're talking about treating them. So like, let's just use acne as an example because yeah. I've done that before. You're then like, well, I don't want that to happen again, or I don't want that again. So you're then like, yeah. you change your diet to, to change things. You put medicine on that's proactive about it, you're also preventing future mm. blemishes.
1: Mm. So. Well, and, and I think something you just said, ties into the thought I had in my head the moment you said that was like, it requires sacrifice. Yes. Like you have to make changes in your life. And so yeah. if you're exposed to the word of God, and I would say this to anyone listening, if you're exposed to the word of God, and this does not make you wanna change your life, then, then something's wrong. Mm because I, I cannot read the word of God without thinking, oh man, mm. uh, I'm such a wretched sinner. God, please save mm. me, mm. you know, not see it more. The more I studied the word of God in seminary specifically, mm. the more I realized how much of a sinner I was. So like, mm. I think that's sometimes what we're scared of. We, we're okay with this much Bible knowledge. Mm-hmm. Like as adults, we're like, okay, I, I, I get in the word once a week. I get in the word on Sundays and you feel good you feel like, man, I heard the word. I want to apply that. And there's there's great intentions. But in some ways, like we're also afraid to get even, and I don't like using the word deeper because it implies like yeah. knowledge, but yeah. the idea of being more intimate with God and realizing that God is going to continue to expose things mm-hmm. and heal those parts of our hearts mm-hmm. and our minds that are unpure.
2: Those are the ugly things we don't want to look at. Yeah. And so scripture forces us to see it. Mm. And then it leads into the second point that Eric made. Don't be afraid of the places his word will take you. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. exactly that. Because we don't wanna know or see or heaven forbid other people see what those things are, but we keep mm. doing it and we keep going mm. to those places for healing. And yeah, we see ourselves as a sinner, but then we know the end of the story too. Like and also, it also in there.
0: Like that. That ties into the response in worship, right? Yeah. It's like, I know where I've been, and the scripture is taking me to a place of where I've been set free, I've been redeemed, and my response then is out of that place. Yeah. And sometimes when we're in the word, like we may just jump off the ground in praise. Yeah. Like our feet may leave the ground, and yes. that's okay. Yes. Like that's awesome. But we don't know until we spend time in scripture.
2: Right, like I know who I am. I know who my human self is. Mm-hmm. And then like Pastor Eric talked about Cinderella. Like yeah. that's the end of the story. That's who I am to Jesus. I'm his princess, you know, like I'm his bride, whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so um, can I read this scripture that I cut out yes. and I brought in here? It's from Ephesians 5, 25. Um, It's a little portion of it, so I may have gotten the somewhere around 525. (laughs) This is the end of the story, right? As Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her. That's us being sanctified. Mm. Having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that's being cleansed by the word, so that he might present to the church, the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. Mm.
1: Amen. I I almost feel like that's a way to kind of close things. Yeah, but would. I've got I've got one more question. See, you guys. I like we laugh.
0: should end it on scripture because we're going to elevate it. But
1: so good, right? No. What does I God more. call us to elevate? I, that's what I thought of when you yeah. said that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the question. I mean, it seems like everything that we're the culture tells us not to. Mm. It's not about our status, but it's about the status of Christ in yeah. our life. Mm-hmm. So when I read that, I think of that God is sanctifying us, he's washing us, he's cleansing us. Mm. Um, and I think, I think the, the, the tension is that yes, that's the place we're praising God from, mm-hmm. but we also have in the back of our minds, this is what I still am. Mm. Mm-hmm. And we don't have that final conclusion of salvation mm-hmm. because we haven't met Jesus physically and bodily form when yeah. we're with him in heaven. And so I think we, we, we have this balance and this this tension, but I think that's, God actually meets us in our faith in that tension. Yeah, yeah. Rather that's where than, our hope is. Yeah, that's yeah. where our hope is. And yeah. if there wasn't that tension, it wouldn't be faith anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so. Yeah. Well, I think that's a good place to end, <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, Ephesians 5.25. Is Five. that? Five twenty-five ish 25-ish we encourage you just to spend time in that um, just to elevate the word this week and uh, we we've really I've I've really I can't speak for them I've really enjoyed this conversation it's challenged me in some ways and I hope it's challenged you as well um, to just really elevate the, the word of God in your life um, again subscribe uh, hit the like button uh, notification bell all the things uh, so you know when we post next and uh, we'll see you next time